You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahraven.com. Welcome to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange with me, Arthur Parkinson, and my good friend, Sarah Raven. In this episode, Sarah's taking a break, and I am interviewing somebody who I discovered on Instagram. She's like a Disneyland fairy in how she works. It's incredible. And I first saw her work, actually, as I walked through Chelsea Flower Show in September, She'd done these incredible gates covered in hydrangeas and autumnal shrubs and leaves. It was it was like an amazing bower of natural splendour on steroids. And she's on Instagram, so we can all see these gorgeous arrangements that she does on huge scale for parties and intimate events. And I'm really thrilled to say hello to Tati of Tati Rose Flowers at long last after messaging her for quite a while. Good morning, Tati. Good morning, Arthur. How are you today? I'm really good, thank you. I'm cold, but good. Good, because you're in, you're in West Dorset, aren't you? You're based there, but you're all over the country doing your work. Yeah, we're based in the sort of wild west of Dorset. But yeah, we, we travel all over the country and abroad doing flowers, but it's nice that at the moment, I'm at home for the next couple of months, really, before it all kicks off in sort of April. Yeah. You you first messaged me, actually, on the subject of chickens, because you're a, you're a working mum. You've got a little boy called Alf, who's obsessed with chickens, isn't he? Yeah, and you're his absolute hero. Um, <laughs> and he's only four, but he's already a, a, a passionate hen keeper, and he... He breeds his own and he's he's got a real love of the natural world and especially poultry. And so, um, yeah, so when I told him about you and that, about what you did and with plants, he was he's fascinated. And so, yeah, so he's your he's your probably your biggest fan. <laughs> oh, well, I'm very honoured. And it's wonderful seeing your Instagram because I sense you're balancing home life very much with very hard work graft of wedding flowers and events flowers you're doing it on massive scale aren't you these photos portray you filling marquees with blossom and branches and the most amazing halos of in-season flowers are you at home much at all when you're working yeah i well i've done this now i've done flowers since i was 18 and Mm. i'm 36 this year so i have built up to this point of having a family and I've I sort of I think people think that everything stops when that starts but actually it just means m- amazing planning and preparing for it and I have an incredible team and I also run it alongside my husband with Fred so that means that we we sort of juggle and we make sure one of us is at home all the time in the summer it is pretty frantic mm. but I do try and sort of make a big divide so that I have proper home time and then proper work time but it's not easy but it's taken a lot of sort of preparation to get to this point and it really is thanks to my incredible team who are mainly my family actually or good friends or if they weren't good friends have now become like family and so it's really thanks to them that this all comes to life and um, yes I suppose I sort of steer the ship but it takes many, many hands to make it all happen. Mm. So you, you've have always been interested in, in flowers and arranging, have you, since being little or did that start when you were at college? I, I read that you spent some time in India. 
Yeah, I I actually, I this will sound very strange, but I'm more interested in the natural world, I would say, than flowers. Mm. To be honest, I, I don't get an enormous kick from flowers. I love trees and I love foliage. I love um, fritillary, but I can definitely take or leave a bunch of peonies or roses. So it's not really that I'm that interested in flowers. I love colour and I love spaces and I love the outside. So I guess more what I do is bringing the outside into spaces where Mm. it can't get to or it's been shut out. So um, it wasn't really that I, 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 I started doing flowers for an event florist just as a holiday job, not because I was particularly interested in it, but it meant that I could be outside and it was sort of very hands-on and creative. And I didn't know the names of any flowers until I was about 25 when I'd been doing it for seven years. It didn't really matter what the names of the flowers were then. It was about we were given ingredients and we made them beautiful. And now I now appreciate the journey a lot more from seed to to where we get them and make making them. But um, actually at home, I, I never really have very many flowers. I usually bring in sort of one stem of something I find completely amazing. And that at the moment, that's a winter bit of winter honeysuckle that's on my on my bedside table in a tiny vase. And to me, that's much more fascinating and beautiful than armfuls of roses or peonies or, yeah. or, or any other of the sort of um, ones that people adore. Mm. I think that's what I, I sensed from you, actually, remembering um, the first installation I saw of yours at Chelsea. I remember it being very much dominated by leaf and foliage and it was almost like a, a nest what what is your sort of favorite woodland I mean the colors I see you use they they are reminiscent of sort of subtropical forest meets English woodland aren't they what are your favorite trees and foliage so I think what's magical about what we do and what gets slightly lost actually by the current sort of Instagram Pinterest world mm is that I I like reacting to the seasons. So my favourite thing is what is actually out there at the moment. So to me, watching the catkins starting now is, I I mean, I can't stop looking at them. So they are my favourite thing at the moment. I I love spindleberry in the end of October and November. That has to be one of my absolute favourite times of year, purely when I see that flash of pink in the hedge. I love rose hips. I love wild roses i love the dog rose that flat open face flowers are or bell bell shaped or trumpet flowers are actually my favorite i'm 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 not sort of that into pom-pommy frilly shapes so those flat dog rose and the way they're so sort of they're so sort of naive really and and simple but so beautiful and i would almost count that as a foliage more than a flower but to me the foliage is the main most important thing for me in my designs mm. the flowers are literally the cherry on the top but the main bulk of it is about the foliage and people think oh people often say oh can we put a bit more green in to make it cheaper or to make it whatever I expect every florist has always had this told to them mm-hmm. you know can we make bring down price by putting in a bit more green but finding these treasures and these amazing things is not is a, it's almost harder work than finding the yeah. flowers yeah I can imagine yeah, you must have whole teams helping you pick it all. Or do you have places you go to where you can forage? I mean, do you have friends who own huge estates? <laughs> well, we we work really hard at building relationships with people. We buy foliage from estates. Mm. We try and work with the woodsmen or the people if areas are being cleared. But 
again, that takes a lot of sort of networking, I guess, or reaching out. I've been quite brave. I've always been a bit, I don't know, bold and gone and knocked on people's doors and offered to pay for whatever they might have that interests me. And usually people are so surprised because it's things that you wouldn't necessarily expect. So we spend a lot of time researching, finding places that we can cut from. And um, it, yeah, it is, it is hard work. We also use a lot that we can reuse again. So we, we have a big um, stock of trees and shrubs that are potted that we reuse. And when, as soon as, as once they've done their job and they are tired we put them in the ground and we cut from them next the next time so we try and use lots of plants and it's you know in both for for many reasons but it's it is brilliant in terms of longevity and Mm. um hot spaces and stuff you know using plants is much more reliable than a little than cut flowers so it gives you a little bit more you know flexibility there as well that was such a good good idea, the the buying of shrubs and trees and potting them up and replanting them for if you've got a wedding. Actually this this winter I've got really interested in corners for the first time, the, the dogwood colours. But what happens if you get someone coming to you who says, I want a, a wedding full of peonies? Do you try and persuade them off the flowers or do you say actually I'm not the right florist for you? No, because I, I love if if it's mid June mm. and people want peonies, then I you know, then it's wonderful. I mean, that's perfect. If someone came to me in March and said, I want peonies, then I would definitely say I'm the wrong florist for you because they're not in season. They would be completely wrong. Where would we get them? Mm. So I feel, although they're not the first thing that I would leap to, I would probably, at that time of year, I would get excited about a foxglove over a peony because they're, you know, because they're one of my, again, one of my sort of favourite flowers. Mm. But if the time is right... And we do have commissions where we use, you know, lots of these types of flowers. I suppose it's just down to my personal choice. I get quite excited when someone does like an underdog or something or something that's a little bit more unusual. And then we have to really use our imagination to make these things and to surprise people. I, I guess that's what I like to do is make a sort of atmosphere and an energy and to give people a sort of surprise I guess and and so when you use obvious ingredients all the time it can look so pretty and so lovely but um well, much like your like you you know your seed heads to me that is so beautiful and so exciting versus the the same thing that you would see time and time again and just reimagining something using it in a different way and I I think then people go wow and it's that sort of turning that ordinary into something extraordinary Mm. using scale or light or using it in a different way um, wrapping it around something that you wouldn't expect it to be there but actually it fits the surroundings and it fits the time of year and so for that reason it doesn't feel too uncomfortable Mm. and you're you use props so beautifully as well are all these chandeliers and things that we see in your instagram photos are they are they yours do you gather up all these beautiful vintage things that you then pair with the the foliage how does that come together we actually get most of our stuff made um locally by a someone who a steel worker i used to use a wonderful blacksmith and i was absolutely devastated when he retired because that means that we can get scale because a lot of antiques and although they're beautiful like chandeliers and stuff scale to me is so important yes and in in these massive spaces you need to blow everything up five to ten times bigger than it would actually be in a house or a home so we get a lot of stuff made I try and get everything made so I can use it in many different 
ways and avoid buying new stuff. I try and look at what we have and paint it, take it apart, reuse it. So everything, for example, for Chelsea, the only, all we had rubbish wise was a handful of elastic bands. Sadly, some of our things, the hydrangeas came in elastic bands, but every bit of kit was reused from other things. We chopped it up, welded it, reused it. All the plants have gone into the ground here. The other stuff was composted and used on our ground. So I think it's just sort of, again, using your imagination. What have we got? What can we do with this? Let's cover it in moss or let's take the tops off and we'll, we'll, we'll build a willow, whatever. So before we are always buying and having more and more stuff, I think using your imagination is mm. m- the most exciting thing to do. So actually we don't, we have a, we have a large warehouse with a lot of big kit, but it's modular and it can be moved and changed. And it is the frame for our, all of our big building stuff, but we rely heavily on our imagination and quite often on let's give it a go. Yeah. So, so what inspires you? Do you read books? Do you watch films? Do you, or does it all just come out your head when you're sat at the table planning it? I mean, what you do is so artistic yet original. Do you have days where you have to take yourself on a walk to get inspired or does it just come to you when you get in that venue and you look at the space? I think seeing a space is really important for scale. So when we work in a marquee, you know, very. I know now I've probably worked in every marquee in England. I know them sort of back to front, so I don't need to see. But in a room, it's so important, and scale is so so important. It mm. can, if it's too big, it also can squash a design. And if it's if it doesn't work in that space, then again, it can be beautiful, but something just doesn't quite click. And I have to say, in my, I'm quite tough on myself, but I would say I've probably really got it bang on about four times that I've been walked away feeling, yes, I got the scale here really really right Mm. yes so I like to see a space if it's a building I read a lot of books not I mean not a huge number of flower books but and I don't really follow a huge number of flower people because I find sometimes that you think you're having fresh ideas but maybe it's something you've seen before and therefore and so I've actually don't tend to look an enormous amount at other people's work Tim Walker and the photographer I adore his I, I feel he's free. I feel sometimes very restrained, like I'm trapped in a cage uh, because I have to run a business. But there is a part of me that would like to just burst out and be free to really, really go wild. But I don't think many brides would want me to do that at their wedding. Well, I don't know. I would. I'm booking you. <laughs> But yeah, so I, I, yeah, I do I read a lot of books, but everywhere I'm lucky enough to live in an amazing part of the country where I open the door and I've got, we've got white peacocks and yes. doves and um, I suppose I've made my own little fairy tale land here. And I have three little boys with an incredible imagination. So I'm not their really their mother, I'm their pet dragon. So um, I think that really helps <laughs> really sort of let yourself go and, and to let these ideas but then I do find you know with a client I have to tame it back a lot most of the time one day I hope that I will be able to be in a position to let these ideas really run free (laughs) well you're doing quite more than a good job if you ask me so when you turn up at a, a, a venue you've had your team foraging and cutting all the foliage down and you've got your props in what I'm guessing is a massive van what is the the time scale of setting up 
We like to work, um, if we can, entirely on site from scratch. So usually if an event is on a Saturday, we will arrive on a Thursday to prep everything. Friday is the main work day and Saturday is sort of finishing. But we have done jobs in the V&A and other venues where we have an hour and 15 minutes to set up a dinner for 400 with trees on the table. Wow. So that's um, seven or eight vans and a team of 30. And, you know, we are limited then indefinitely in what you can do, especially as we don't use any any oasis whatsoever. So before I think I see these things sort of wobble in, you know, like yes. carried in and there are all these flowers bobbing around and it's all shoved into oasis and we don't ever use that. So we have to build everything. So we have to really be clever about what we do. But um, so, yeah, ideally I like projects where I'm on site for three or four days or even more sometimes. And then you get really into it and there's a real, the team get really sort of embedded into it. And it's, it builds up like a painting, really a bit like a sort of tapestry. And we, we build it in layers and we have that time then to really sort of enjoy it as well as perfect it. But that is a real luxury and it doesn't happen that often. And so, um, but when we do get those ones, um, I had a wonderful one in October and it was like we were painting a big painting and we were all working together and it did, it built up in layers and we, it was really great to do. Mm. And it, it was a slightly more forgiving time of year. So we could have a bit more time because it wasn't quite so warm and the ingredients we're using were less tempestuous than say the middle of June or May. So, um, yeah, that was really fun to do, but it really does change week to week. I sensed from from the off that you're incredibly sustainably minded, and um, I'm glad you mentioned you don't use Oasis. But I, looking at your photos, I noticed a lot of the foliage seems to be suspended. Do you allow things to dry once they're in situ, and how are you conditioning things to to last? So that is the that is the problem with I guess not using floral foam is with floral foam you could plonk this block on top and shove stuff up underneath and you get this round round feeling of flowers coming out the bottom and it was ever so simple and you know you got this round thing and when you're using water you know everything's got to be contained underneath so this is something I I've got sketchbooks full of notes on how I might do it depending on the time of year and that's where plants are useful yes if if stuff can dry out then that's brilliant sometimes just saying well no that that does you know flowers grow upright we're going actually let's embrace what we're putting them in we're going to put them in a beautiful basket and the flowers will all come out the top Mm. and there'll be branches yes some will come down but actually that's how stuff grows so isn't that beautiful that it actually looks like it's meant to when it's growing I've got much better at when someone plonks a photo in front of you and says I want that and saying well that's lovely but let's design something that's more beautiful and more possible to do given the conditions or the what what the ingredient or and that's going to be more interesting let's not copy someone else's and I've got quite brave at doing that and it's really been great to do because I think sometimes we feel we're like having to reproduce this sort of mood board of images that people have put together and actually if you are a designer look at it, take inspiration from it and design it in a different way, in a way that you feel comfortable, in a way that shows off your ingredients the best and not sort of feel always like we're having to do what we used to do with Oasis. It doesn't need to look the same as it did with Oasis. How refreshing that it looks different. Yeah. So wonderful to hear that. And what I'm guessing you've got a a full on year ahead after the the downtime we've had. Um, What projects are you looking forward to the most, if you can say any? 
yeah, I've got, we've got a really busy year. It's a very tricky time of year to, because mm. you get so many inquiries and um, it's sort of working out which ones you want to do. I've got um, a couple of abroad jobs, which I'm looking forward to that I'm most looking forward to going to Scotland this year because I, my family are from there and I love working in Scotland. So I'm going in two weeks time up to, um, to do a wild wedding in a most beautiful old castle, all forage from the land around it. So it may not be sound the most exciting to some, but to me, that is exactly what I love doing. Yeah. And lots of other things, lots of per- like sort of tatty rows in house projects as well, because we are on the sustainability sort of road. It's really hard doing flowers on our scale with all British because there is literally not the capacity from single growers to to get the volume we need. So the logistics of buying each weekend from up to 15 or 20 different growers is not very sustainable, first no. of all, and very, very difficult so we're looking at w- ways we can do that in-house with the ingredient, you know, like possibly grow- starting our own flower farm, although it's, you know, which is sort of exciting and sort of I'm not really sure about, but it's it's something we're sort of looking into because it is so important that we're all so aware of, we're all trying, I mean, we try every day to be greener, but it's also sometimes you're doing one thing and then actually look at it and you're like is that better than what we were doing before it's very it's very difficult especially when you do anything on any type of scale so it's a battle that I lose sleep over and we're trying to work out the best way to kind of move forward with that so that will be a big kind of two-year project but I, I I imagine that everyone's slightly feeling that as well yeah well I can't wait to see all this hopefully emerge on my iPhone screen and I'd love to hopefully maybe see it one day in person Tati because I just I do look at your Instagram and it does it is invigorating it's like seeing these enchanted fairy tale fantasies come into reality so if anyone wants to see it please follow Tati on Instagram she is a genius with foliage and imagination and um, I hope your peacocks uh, get down to nesting as well in the coming months <laughs> oh Thank you, Arthur. That means the world to me. And um, yeah, you must come and see the peacocks. Uh, I'm terribly worried about them at the moment with this cold, but yes. I think they, they seem perky and bright. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure they will do. Well, thank you so much for a wonderful chat, Tati. Um, thank you, Arthur. Bye. Good luck with everything. Bye. Thanks for listening to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange. I found that really fascinating listening to Tatty Rose chatting to Arthur about her flower style, which I found incredibly inspiring and want to rush out, see more that she does and and do stuff that she describes. Next week, it's me and Arthur again, and we're going to be chatting about our seed range for 2022. The highlights, really, the things we particularly love. So see you then. You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahoven.com.